Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development discussion series featuring candid conversations with business leaders and innovators across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts on how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and talented workforces in the nation. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. To hear more discussions like this, visit the Michigan Opportunity at thegreatvoice.com. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. Welcome back to the Michigan Opportunity. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast or download the Michigan Opportunity through your preferred podcast platform. And now your host, Ed Clemente. And we're fortunate to have Eddie Gillis. He's the operations manager for Third Man Records located in the heart of Detroit. Uh, welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, thanks so much, Ed. It's great to be here. Well, I like anybody named Ed, so you already got that going for you. All right. Yeah, we, uh, we've only met a couple times before, but, you know, I, I, I think that this is one of the jewels of Detroit in the short time. I don't know how many years you've been open now, but when did, the, when did Third Man Records open up now? It's been a while, actually. Yeah, so it did start with the label, which is Third Man Records. The actual, the manufacturing arm, Third Man Pressing, uh, we're just entering our seventh year of operation right now. So uh, come a come a long way uh, um, with the um, the the um, demand for vinyl records uh, and our you know uh, Jack White who is one of the only I believe the only artist who owns his own pressing plant. Uh, his idea was to uh, press his own records, and uh, that's kind of where the idea was born. So he put you like you've worked with him and known him pretty well <laughs> your whole life. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I know that um, he started out, though, so he created a label, and then he decided he wanted to also go into pressing records, right, and beyond just recording. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. So, you know, again, in the unique um, position that he's the creator, the visionary, uh, but also the owner of, of the uh of the company uh, and gave him that leeway to explore that option of, you know, what if I did this? What if I built a pressing plant? What if I just pressed my own records and, um, and then created these opportunities to learn how to uh, make these, uh, you know, this craft production that we do and just put out um, things that people want, uh, but also just doing really cool stuff. And, and then, that turning into something where we do cool stuff for other people. So let's actually, first of all, you're, you're in, uh, not well, more Midtown, right? Kind of. Yeah. We still call it the cast corridor. It's uh, a, right. Okay. All right. Exactly. And why don't you actually give the, you're on Canfield, right? That's right. Okay. We're on the, actually the part of the Wayne state, campus here in the uh, really in the heart of Detroit um, and um, that's um, also by uh, kind of by choice as well uh, Jack uh, wanted to bring uh, this um, this particular um, the the merchandise store 
uh, and then it was where it really started here in Detroit, but then we expanded into and built the pressing plant on site. So this area is home to just a lot of not firsts and for Jack as a musician and going to Cast Tech and growing up in Southwest Detroit like myself, um, but also um, you know the music history that is is part of embedded in this neighborhood and the art community that's embedded in this neighborhood uh, with Bob Sestock and you know the MC5 and and uh, you know the Stooges and stuff like that. So uh, it all just made sense to um, bring something back here that is manufacturing, which, you know, uh, goes hand in hand with not just the city, but our state and, um, you know, create an opportunity to make uh, some, do some really cool things and, and, uh, and teach some people how to, you know, and then work together on this. So we have, you know, um, we have 16 presses and, uh, and 60 employees now. Six zero, you said, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, once again, we're with Eddie Gillis, who's the operations manager for Third Man Records. Um, so, like, the timing, though, it was, you know, because I remember, I still shouldn't tell people I have albums in my basement. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, I always like the medium, but why do you think uh, people are so much into it again? Like, is there a reason you think why? Yeah, this... You know, people are into records for so many different reasons, and it's it's not just one um, uh, particular demographic. I think what we see just from the people that come in here is that um, it's all ages. It's the people like ourselves that remember what we grew up with, and and that was what we that was all we had. It was you know vinyl records and maybe uh, some AM radio or something. But uh, but now uh, there are so many other opportunities to hear music and experience it. Vinyl is just one of those things that never went away and is still viable and if not even stronger than before uh, for people that are discovering music for the first time or just discovering, uh, doing their homework and discovering all the old music that uh, it stands the test of time as well. So when you see what we've done, created these opportunities for uh, people to work here, but also that more and more little mom and pop uh, record stores have popped up. And we're kind of a, a part of that music business that is supporting the artists, whether they be local or um, uh, the heavy hitters out there. But also, um, you can see it in the neighborhoods where people are looking for more records. And, you know, you can never have enough vinyl records. So um, I think um, we're, we're part of that. Um, uh, that's like in our backyard. And it's, it's great to see that that has grown here uh, organically or, or, re- or locally and regionally, but also across the country and across the world. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, it's funny. I've got friends that I know they're like in their twenties and thirties and they're always asking me if they can come over and take my albums. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, well, I don't know which ones I still want, but yeah. you know, and you know, a big, they're almost like artifacts, you know, like if you were like an archaeologist. somewhat. That, you know, that, well, that's true. And then when you go hunting for them, right, you're looking for something very specific. Um, I always I uh, half-heartedly joke that uh, you do, and you can use this one. Uh, um, you know, uh, vinyl is a sound purchase. <laughs> <laughs> right, but actually, but actually, it really uh, vinyl doesn't decrease in value. It actually is. It does. It holds its value. It it, it actually uh, might be worth something more. You may have a, a rare record you're sitting on, but 
the, the fact of the matter is, is it's preserved on something that you can hold in your hand and, and, and you can uh, trade it or give it away or pass it down to those, uh, those 20 and 30 year olds or whoever uh, so that they can enjoy it. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. joining us on the Michigan Opportunity, brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Whether you're looking for small business resources, exploring an expansion or relocation, or seeking a world-class workforce, visit michiganbusiness.org to learn how you can make it in Michigan. Your host of the Michigan Opportunity, Ed Clemente. Why don't you highlight some of the ones we talked about before, but people that have uh, come to you, that people would be surprised because I think that third man records is like one of the most interesting things about Detroit, even though, like you said, it's only seven years, but I, I always, when I give tours of Detroit, I always make sure I go by your place and point it out. Uh, we re- we really appreciate that. So starting in, you know, 2014, I believe um, is when um, we um, um, started the store. Um, you know, we, uh, we've gotten to be a part of a lot of interesting projects along the way. Uh, when the pressing plant opened. So the, like I said earlier, the idea for third man pressing was that Jack would press what was on his, his catalog. And then the, uh, all the other titles that were on our catalog and, and just press them here in Detroit. And then when we started to explore and look for other projects and, and cool things that we wanted to do, whether it be a reissue of an old record or something, we discovered that um, we put out a box set of the Supremes, for example, and we realized or, uh, that we were the first pressing plant to press Motown records in the city of Detroit. Uh, Motown records were never pressed here in the, in the city, and, and not a lot of people knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but that led Wait, to other- I fell into your trap. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one thing leads to another, right? And uh, before you know it, we have a kind of a line out the door of, you know, the band down the street or somebody putting out their very first record the boutique labels, as well as uh, the bigger labels, your Warners and Sony's and Universal's and stuff that we started um, getting the attention and um, that kind of trust built in. Like we're not just some novelty; we're we're making real records and uh, and we care about that quality. So we got to you know um, get involved with other projects. Uh, we did a Prince box set, for example. We've done some Rolling Stones, um, represses. Um, so records that I, you know, that I grew up with, I'm, I'm holding in my hands, like, wow, we, I actually, we press this right here in the city of Detroit. It's like, um, it's a, it's a really wild, uh, full, uh, full circle moment, you know, in those, in those regards. And you've also had a couple kind of famous people stop by too, right? When they come to town, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's a destination place. So recently, there were uh, Metallica was playing a show, and we did a book signing for the lead singer James Hetfield. Uh, had a book out, so we do these kinds of events here. Um, we also have people that want their record pressed here. So, I mean, to get to work with someone like um, perhaps you've heard of Paul McCartney. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> his third solo record of his career. Um, was pressed here exclusively here in Detroit. All of the eight variants <laughs> of um, that record that came out, um, he wanted them pressed here in Detroit. So um, it kind of, you know, it pays to have some friends in high places uh, to uh, be able to get to work with an icon like that um, 
as well as just, you know, like I said, the band down the street or someone just starting out. So, um, yeah. Well, well, I was going to mention, too, you also, I think, you know, you also sell other things, too, not just records, right, at the place for, like, clothing or... Correct. Uh, we're, we're always looking, um, you know, to seasonal items and merchandise um, and things that can promote um, our brand. Uh, on the third man side, whether it be the pressing or the label side, uh, as well as any of the, the Jack White and um, White Stripes related things. And, um, and of course, all the different records. We're, um, we just started a, um, a project with, um, through the Verve label and the Blue Note label and are doing oh, yeah. some, some uh, really cool um, reissues of some classic jazz records. And um, they're being really... Uh, well received so we're trying to make those uh exclusive and but also um part of our uh, tmr catalog and, more, and, to, more to come <laughs> yeah and you know um i was going to ask you too once again our guest is eddie gillis he's the operations manager for third man records and but also i would just want to talk a little bit about your background <laughs> Not a little bit just because my family grew up over by uh Springwells in lafayette right and, and you, I think your family, did you guys belong to Holy Redeemer or no? That's correct. We're the, uh, the stereotypical uh, Catholic family of uh, 10 kids, seven boys and three girls. And um, we grew up in southwest Detroit in the, uh, the Holy Redeemer and St. Hedwig area over by Clark Park. And yeah. uh, the, the true melting pot of, uh, of Detroit. And um, still is. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So um, proud to be uh, born and raised and uh, have um, that uh, that experience. I uh, wouldn't trade for anything. So it's uh, and I uh, um, led to what I did before I pressed records was I was a pastry chef for 30 years. And, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, transferred from uh, the food service uh, industry and, and doing that at a high level um, to um, manufacturing um, and found the similarities as well as um, the hiring and finding the, the talent, um, which is, is all over in this area. Um, so we, we put together a, a really good uh, a mix of people that uh, were really detail-focused but also talented on the mechanical side and, and uh, the creative side to uh, kind of run this place like a kitchen in a sense where you're taking raw material and turning it into something that um, – Looks like it looks good enough to eat, but um, looks good enough to listen to as well. <laughs> well, you know, um, in fact, the, t- the place we met, and I'll put a plug in for it, but there was a plaque put in not too long ago for um, Tejano music. I'm probably saying it wrong. No, uh, that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and you you were the you spoke at it actually, but our friend Ray Lozano was involved, and Roberto from the Mexican Council was there, but. Mm-hmm. That was a great event. And did you guys, did you say you cut some vinyl for them too or no? So the the record, we released a record um, in 2020 that um, was a, a compilation of recordings from a Tejano musician that had been recognized as a um, Hall of Fame pioneer bringing the music from Texas to Michigan. After we released that record, it turned into a project of what else could we do to commemorate and this legacy and and preserve it and through the michigan music hall of fame 
we were able to apply for a historical marker through the state of Michigan. And it got approved, and we were ecstatic to um, be able to p- place that uh, at the corner of Bagley and 21st in southwest Detroit. So, uh, again, giving something back to the neighborhood that was, again, wasn't planned from the beginning, but it just it grew out of something, which so many things have here in our, uh, in our company and through, um, through Jack's vision, but also his, uh, his leadership. Well, on behalf of the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, even though Jack White might not even know what that is, but if he did, tell him we're very proud of what you are doing there at the at the corporation and his investment in the city and the state. And I know he did a lot with the, uh, uh, which building was it? Masonic Temple, too. That's correct. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was a big concert venue for me when I was growing up. And so we keep appreciating it and we appreciate all the work your whole family has done for the area and uh, keep up the good work uh, with that. Again, our guest was Eddie Gillis. He's the operations manager for Third Man Records. And I hope we can continue this conversation once you come up with some other new things someday in the future too, Eddie. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. Thanks for joining us today on the Michigan Opportunity. For more discussions like this, visit the Michigan Opportunity at thegreatvoice.com. And I want to welcome everybody to the listeners, but this is one show I'm very excited about. It's part of my upbringing as well, but we have Robin Terry, chairwoman and CEO of the Motown Museum. Welcome to the show, Robin. Well, thanks, Ed. I'm excited to be here. Not as excited as I am. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, I, I know that, uh, you know, the... I do a lot and just to warm it up a little bit, but I travel a lot around the world. And the two things that always get brought up when I say I'm from the Detroit area is, you know, automotive and Motown Museum. And a little later during the show, I'll tell you a little story I heard about Motown when I traveled. But I I, I think that um, everyone knows what the museum is, but why don't you sort of give us sort of what you tell people if they've never heard about the Motown Museum? Sure. So, you know, the Motown Museum, what you're describing about traveling around the world and, and then people recognizing Detroit, it being synonymous with Motown. Um, when you visit Motown Museum in Detroit, it's exactly what you see. You see people from all over the world who make the pilgrimage to this little house in Detroit on West Grand Boulevard that Barry Gordy, the founder of Motown, um, this was where that young entrepreneur, songwriter, started, you know, what we know today as Motown, what was known as the Sound of Young America. It's where uh, musical greats like Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson, Temptations, Four Top Supremes, the Jackson Five, Marvin Gaye, so many others. It's the little house where they all got their start. And so this house is beloved by you know, Motown fans and music fans and historians, music historians all over the world uh, and recognized for all the, you know, the joy and the, the the positive energy that it's put in the world, you know, for well over 60 years. Yeah. In fact, I'll get this out of the way, but I'm a temptations person. And for me, it's ball of confusion because oh, yeah. <laughs> I was around that age when all was confusing to me too. And, uh, 
you know, that, that really related to me a lot. That well, Ed, I can't tell. Are you at least six feet tall? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to be, that was a criteria to be a temptation. You had, oh, to, really? at least, you had to be at least six feet tall. Eddie Kendricks was six feet tall. And probably didn't look like it on screen. But no, he didn't. he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I, that's a good overview of, of kind of what it is. And, you know, and I do sometimes the slow rolls, you know, in Detroit. And I know whenever I take people from either other states or other parts of Michigan to come, if I do a bike ride or I do a drive around, I always stop by there. We get pictures in the front and, uh, you know, and it's the... The house is there, and it's just it's just like a big part of the experience for anybody. I'm on a international board, and I bring international guests all the time to the Motown Museum, you know. And we try to yes. coordinate with the times, but sometimes, but usually they just want to get a shot in front of the place. A lot of times, so uh, it's that kind of historical. That, that is very common. That's very common here. And I just want to let me just say this for for listeners who may not be familiar at all with the space. So in addition to that little blue and white house that's Hitsville, USA, that house has the original Motown recording studio on it. So when you attach to it, so when you when you hear about, you know, why people come from all over the globe, they really want to stand in that studio and stand in the footsteps of that those gr- musical greats because there's nowhere else in the world. This is where Motown recorded all of their um, their greatest hits from 1959 to 1972. So when you think of all your Motown favorites, chances are they were they were recorded right in that studio. And you just mentioned it, Ed. You know, it, Motown is one of the greatest um, enterprise stories and and business startup stories that you know we have in American music history because it starts in that one little blue and white house called Hitsville. And then when they outgrew it, Barry Gordy would buy the next available house on the block. And then the next and the next until you had this whole music enterprise made out of eight neighborhood homes in Detroit. And so that's the experience people come, come here to, um, to really witness is not only the music and what was the foundation of this music that just move the world, but also, you know, what is this enterprise that grew out of little houses <laughs> in Detroit? Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned Barry Gordy, and I should give full disclosure that he is your great uncle, is that correct? Or, correct, yes. Yeah. And your grandma, who I had met a few times, Esther, uh, she uh, that's your direct lineage kind of with her too, right? Esther ran the museum, right, for quite a while. Absolutely. My grandmother founded the museum in 1985. And, um, you know, my short story is I, I lost my mother to breast cancer when she was 39. I was 15. And I, I had the, you know, within that sadness, I had the great fortune to then be raised by both my grandmothers. And I lived with, um, Esther Gordy Edwards, who is, I called her Mama Esther, but that's who I lived with from age 15 um, on. So she's, she's had tremendous, tremendous influence on my life. Yeah. And I should mention also, but uh, you were a tour guide at a young age too for the museum, weren't you? You couldn't be my grandmother's grandchild without her putting you to work. (laughs) I mean, that's just, that was, that's the deal. (laughs) So the museum, well, you got boots on the ground experience pretty young age, I would imagine. 
Well, my, my grandmother was such a pioneer in the business space, even, you know, before her involvement with Motown, um, you know, with Motown, she was she was um, artist development. She got artist um, music, Motown's music played internationally. Um, she ran all of the departments before there was somebody else there to do it. Um, she even ran the art department for a period of time um, and was legal guardian to a lot of the acts like Stevie Wonder and others who were underage. So at Motown, she played a really critical role in business, but she was able to do that because of all of her eight siblings, Barry Gordy included, she was the only one to go to college. And then she just was such a pioneer, the first um, African-American jury commissioner, one of the first two women to serve on a national um, bank board. Um, she she was one of the owners of the Detroit Wheels. I don't know if you remember that sports team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they played up at the... Silverdome or they play? I forgot where they played. Uh, they and and so I'm not. I can't tell you much more about them, but I yeah. can tell you my <laughs> grandmother was a four foot ten giant. Um, and so being raised by her, she just required certain things of you, and you know, being able to do every job from cleaning up floors to you know taking people on tours of the museum. That just came with the, that. Just came with it. Yeah, I grew up in a family restaurant. I know exactly the story. Yeah, there's no job too big for family members. <laughs> I had yeah, I had to clean oh. toilets before I could go to high school. I know. Um, so you know, let's. I, 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 you kind of dovetailed into this a little bit, but um, when you talked about the buildings, but you've got this fantastic master plan, and I, I, I just, I think you're calling it Hitsville Next, or is that why you're wrong on that? Hitsville Next is a component okay, of the yeah. museum expansion. Why don't you sort of give people the broad strokes of what this is? So um, thank you for that question, because I, I couldn't be more excited about this. My grandmother, so I like to describe the Motown Museum expansion and Hitsville Next, and I'll explain what that is this way. You know, for my grandmother, founding Motown Museum was really about preserving that history, preserving its birthplace, which is that Hitsville, USA home. But more, more equally as important, um, she wanted to make sure that history books would always properly recognize the story of Motown and the contributions that those individuals who are part of Motown, the contributions they made to, the, to music, to culture, to our society. She wanted to make sure that that foundation was there. So for her, it didn't really matter that, you know, that lived outside those four walls. She just wanted people to come there and witness. We'll be right back with more on the Michigan Opportunity. Welcome back to the Michigan Opportunity. And now your host, Ed Clemente. The advantage, I think, of a lot of recording nowadays has really morphed into, you know, digitization, right? And the ability for someone to have tech transfer of what you might learn recording could also be designing websites or could be designing, you know, TikTok and everything else, right? It's There's a lot of other instrumentation and technology involved in all types of artistry nowadays. And understanding that those are also career pathways, 
right? That, that may also be connected to music. Every young person or older person who, you know, believes that they want to be a singer or singer songwriter or musician um, may not be, that may not be their destiny, right? But there are hundreds of sustainable career pathways that exist in the music space that, um, you know, that we expose, we want to expose them to in case that particular A plan doesn't work. You know, you may discover you have a gift for songwriting, um, but you can sell your music, again, enterprise being you know, equally a part of the journey, you can sell those songs to uh, a singer, somebody who is very successful in that space. So your journey doesn't end. It's just a slightly different career pathway. Right. And we're in the gig economy. So everybody's, you know, got a lot of hats to wear and what one you fall in love with, you don't always know, but it's good to have that variety to know the options. And that's what you're going to be building foundations for a lot of these, I say kids, but probably younger people in general. But, you know, it could even be mid-career people that want to get into digitization of music. You never know what it's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So I know you also have a performing arts theater that's going to be in there, too. Is that one of the goals as well? Yes, Ford Motor Company um, actually named our theater, and the theater will serve many purposes. It will um, it, it will really be the space that during the day orients our visitors, but in the evening turns into an intimate concert performance space. We can show films, do talks. It really becomes an asset for the community um, to take advantage of um, in the, you know, in in the evenings and then i know you did an announcement not too long ago for the plaza as like the sort of welcoming space to the like the old school in the front and then the new school in the back kind of thing right or it's i am i am probably i can't say i'm most excited about the plaza because i get excited about every phase of this expansion because with every phase we're closer and closer to completion but the plaza you said it earlier people gravitate to this house, whether it's, and it's two o'clock in the morning, you can come here and there are people taking pictures outside. Um, It was important to us that the community have a space. They don't pay to come to that space, but a space they can come and just revel in, you know, Motown music, pop-up performances, um, just have a a space to commune and just hang out. that was equally as important to us. Like the, it's kind of the big front porch of the entire development. So I'm excited to see that come on board. Yeah. And um, I'm going to come back to the project here in a few minutes, but I also want to give you this opportunity to maybe say, like if you were, if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were in high school or maybe a kid today, or even someone that's mid-career, what, what kind of career advice would you give people for, you know, if you could say back and these are the three things I should have told myself and I would have done kind of thing. I, I would actually pass along, along some wisdom that my grandmother told me when I was very young. And she said, um, chase your passion, not dollars. If you chase your passion and not dollars, the dollars will come. And I just believe that. I tell that to my own children. You know, tap into what you would do if nobody gave you a dollar. (laughs) And it will bear fruit for you. 
Right. Look at all those Motown, budding Motown people before they, there was a Motown. They were singing on the corners, a lot of them. And Absolutely. Yeah, they didn't know where it was, but that was their passion. But it also feeds your narrative again of learning skills if you're passionate about it, you know, and then that will develop into something else, hopefully, that will pay off, you know, for you in the long run. And it may even lead you down another path where you discover more. You know, I have certainly discovered many new things about myself on this journey. Um, but but you couldn't stay committed to a project like this one if you weren't passionate about it. And I think that people ask all the time, like, how are you doing it? And how are you? And it's it's because I believe so deeply in it and what it's going to mean to the next generation and the generation after that. And I believe it's critical to have um, this sort of symbolism of Motown and what it represents, um, even in the way that it unites people and has united people who are very different um, of all colors and races and, and, and um, religious backgrounds. We need that. And I know that's important, you know, to our cultural landscape. And so I fight for that. Well, last couple of things. Um, I, I know the project, I think you're trying to raise $55 million And I know you're getting there. But and I know it's going to be an expansion of 50,000 feet is what you're looking at. But, you know, I know those things change because... I've uh, been excited that you guys are always hoping something like this would happen to Detroit, but also for Michigan. You know, this is a Michigan podcast, and I think we're so fortunate that Motown's in our in our state, period. Yes. Yeah. But secondly, I think it's good for America, too. I mean, to me, everywhere I travel, even in the U.S. Oh, I was going to tell you the one story. When I was in, um, I think I was in Ecuador, and this kid was from Mexico City. He came up to me. And he was like only 11 years old. This was only a couple of years ago, maybe even nine. All he wanted to talk to me was about every Motown artist. And he did all his homework just online. I mean, he was just fixated on Marvin Gaye and like whoever it was, Stevie Wonder, the Supremes or whatever, you know. And, and it just blew me away that a nine-year-old boy was so fixated on something I was like 70 or 60 years ago, whenever it was, maybe 40 years ago. But but I just, I think that that's sort of the impact. So where can people go to donate? You know, I know that you're trying to do a, I don't think it's called a Kickstarter, but I know you're trying to raise the funds, but what website or something you would direct people to if they want to be a chunk of this? So Ed, it's, it's really easy. Um, listeners can go to motownmuseum.org which is our website, um, and they can donate there. They can also become members there. Um, what I would also encourage um, your listeners to do is if they are, you know, if they're interested in, um, you know, being among the builders of this project, um, the, the, the lead donors, we have been really fortunate to have some really wonderful partners who believe in the mission of the organization. Why don't you mention them real quick, some of your bigger ones, if you like. Oh, my God. The, the list goes on and oh, on. Okay, but I was just, I'll, just, I'll name a few of them just because I do think it's so important. I've already mentioned like Ford Motor Company and UAW Ford, who really, um, and I would also put the Davidson Foundation in that grouping because they were the very first to come on board. And that meant everything to us. 
And since then, we've had wonderful, um, you know, other partners who have joined us significantly. The Balmer Group, you know, came on board in the midst of a pandemic. Um, the Kellogg Foundation, Kresge Foundation, um, the Herb Foundation. There are just so many. Fisher Foundation invested in um, our programs. Out of Chicago, we have John Rogers with Aerial Investments who came on board. Barry Gordy, our largest individual donor and universal um, music group Motown Records. Dr. Bill Picard, entrepreneur. I've interviewed him on a podcast. I know. Bill. He's, he's incredible. I mean, there's just been so much. Um, the Dresner Foundation, and I know I said I wouldn't go on and on and on, but we are so grateful for our partners because they have made the difference. A project like this, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Motown. It's like the thing that wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. <laughs> yeah, well, we should just do a podcast someday on all your found all the people that have helped make this possible. But I know you got a ways to go. And the very last question for you, Robin, is uh, what's your favorite spot or thing to do in Michigan? So other than hang out in Motown, I am a huge, huge fan of the west side of the state. And I spend a lot of time on the west side of the state. Um and enjoying our lakes and um, taking in our fall is my favorite season. So watching the, the leaves change color, like that is absolutely my favorite thing about this state. Thanks for joining us today on the Michigan Opportunity. To hear more discussions like this, visit the Michigan Opportunity at thegreatvoice.com. Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Whether you're looking for small business resources, exploring an expansion or relocation, or seeking a world-class workforce, visit michiganbusiness.org to learn how you can make it in Michigan. Michigan.